From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob. That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Appreciate you all being with us on the Bishop's Hour. And this indeed is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And we're glad to welcome in Julie Sly, who is the editor of the Catholic Herald magazine. Julie, good to see you. Hi, how's everyone doing? Everyone's doing fine. Good. Uh, all, in, all radio in, in radio land. In radio land. I don't know who's out there anymore. Well, it's Ray Radio's. I have serious radio in my car now. I'm just overwhelmed it's, with it's the choices. The ch- I never the, had it before. But like I 140 an channels, car and including so, a Catholic channel. Yes. Yes, I haven't. I've listened to that a little bit. I just noticed they added like three jolly Christmas channels. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, music. they'll that add a you know, they'll add a Willie Nelson channel for a week or something. There's you know, a Frank Sinatra channel yeah, or yeah. a classic vinyl. Yeah. I haven't explored all those. <laughs> There's one that's very mellow called The Blend. Yes. I'm on that one a lot. Yeah. yeah. I think my kids listen to that one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're you know, listening to No, radio is a very, it's a very interesting medium because, uh, you know, many, many, many people uh, are in their cars when they are yeah. listening. And the, the once in a while, there's still that guy working on in the garage, you know, and he's got the rate <laughs> the the radio up in the corner, and of course, uh, if if anybody misses a broadcast, um, you can go online, go to scd.org, yeah, and, and there it is. I don't download music. I guess I'll have to do that as with my updated car. There's no CD, so oh, yeah. my CDs are all obsolete. Everything's obsolete. <laughs> my tapes and are obsolete. Too much, <laughs> tapes are way obsolete. There's too much too much selection. I find. I like less selection. Well, no, it, 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 it's true. I know when, when, when I was growing up, uh, well, first off, we didn't have a TV. And when we did, it was like Channel 3, Channel 10, Channel 13. You know, that was it. Yeah. Now there's like 450 channels. And it's or more just, than that. Or more than that. 700. Yeah. More than that. If you count all but there's numbers. only one Catholic Herald. Oh, there's only one Catholic Herald. Is there yes. any, are there any other publications nationwide called the Catholic Herald? Um, is that yeah. a, Is that actually copyrighted? I don't know if we're copyrighting it or not. It's been around since 1908. Were they doing copyrights in 1908? I'm sure they were. Oh, probably, okay. probably even more than they're doing okay. them today. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yes. Milwaukee, Madison. Uh. Maybe Superior. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. And there was a kind of a mini chain in Wisconsin based in Milwaukee. They used to do their advertising mm-hmm. together. And I believe there's one in uh, North Carolina. I don't remember which diocese. And Hawaii, the hmm. Hawaii Catholic Herald. Yes. I've told people at times I'm leaving to go be editor of the Hawaii. I did that a couple of times on April Fool's Day. Oh, yeah. Believe me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> here's, your, went, here's your hat. Close the door. <laughs> yeah, if it went on too long, like, what island are you going to yeah, live yeah. on? And have you found a place? And I didn't want to keep it going that long, yeah. but I have done that one before. Yeah. Uh, there's probably more. I just can't so, remember so off what's the top the, of my head. What's the state of Catholic print media these days? <laughs> um, 
Well, it's way more diverse. Yeah. I mean, there's not so much print. So. What's the most uh, frequent publication? Is it in New York? Oh, no. They eliminated their print publication they? more in, than a year ago. Okay. That yeah. was Catholic Cardinal New York, Dolan. or what was it called? Catholic uh, New York, and it only came out monthly. Mm-hmm. It's gone through a lot of various iterations. Uh-huh. Uh, now they have something called the Good Newsroom, and I think they're only doing radio and maybe like a weekly oh. new, or newsletter, and then they do video and some other things. I see Cardinal Dolan. Well, he's still on Sirius XM. Yes, he does. He? Yeah, on, on the Catholic the Channel. Oh. Or is that just from Archdiocese of New York? No, no, no. The Catholic Channel is, is national, but it's under the auspices. I actually had a show for a while there okay. uh, for about five years on okay. the Catholic Channel. Um, but I didn't, well, it involved frequent trips to New York for, for training or oh, okay. for uh, when the Pope was visiting, the, oh, those okay. kinds of things. Okay. But um, it's under the auspices of the Archdiocese yeah. of New York. A lot of them are going through different things. I mean, our partner, Faith Catholic Publishing, probably does 50 to 60 diocesan magazines now. They also do wow. religious order. And so um, there's three that are with Faith Catholic in California, but Oakland does it monthly, but they do less pages than mm-hmm. we do. San Jose, I believe, does it quarterly, uh, but they have a companion website. And I know the, the and this is a little while ago, but I, I remember being in Reno and picked up the Reno Gazette, you know, the newspaper, and there was an insert. From the Diocese of Reno. Oh yeah, they with, stopped with, doing with that minute. long okay. ago. Okay. Yeah, they do their own, they do their magazine with Faith Catholic. Mm-hmm. It's only about twelve pages, and they do it quarterly. Right. Yeah, finances are, you know, a problem. We there are some dioceses that provide it to everyone, on their, you know, every registered parishioner. Right. For us, that would be well over a hundred thousand. So it would be too cost prohibitive. So we mail we only mail out to those who donate fifteen dollars a year, or if you make a donation to the annual Catholic appeal of more than twenty dollars, then you're on the list. So that's very reasonable. So it, we go to about forty-three thousand. So, so they're automatically on the list. They, they're not necessarily subscribing to the Herald. No, it's kind of I, you, we fall under the membership category. Uh huh. So if you, there's some people who just are in the habit of donating $15. Right. But technically with the post office, we don't call them subscription. Okay. We call it a donation. We ask for your donation. But it is available online, correct? Yes, at scd.org. Right. So you can go back to the very first issue. The The same content completely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know how many people read it online but we promote the digital edition quite a bit and there's people who call in to me or send a note in or email and say they don't they just want to read it online they no longer want the print right edition not that many but we have a few i love the print edition i love having it in my hands and i've found because there there are distant newspapers that i will subscribe to online only that you can't get the the and I find that the difference is uh, 
when when you're reading just online, at least for me, you miss stories. You kind of scan through, or maybe you're looking for a specific thing. Where sure. when you have the whole newspaper, you see these little little stories or a story about something that you weren't even looking for. You get exposed to more. Yes, um, I mean, so if you think of like how the Washington Post and the New York Times first started out their websites right. compared to today. Oh, I know. <laughs> it just And when did we kind of get into internet? 2000, maybe? Something like that, yeah. 2000 or something, and it was very basic. Yeah. Um, so, but now you've got live chats on there. You've got every, you know, I mean, you video. think of a site that doesn't have video embed- embedded. Right. Or like if you go in the... Washington Post, they've got, you know, there's some big trial or hearing going on. They've got their reporters there doing a chat about it. They're live. They're giving a commentary. Yeah, and the reporters are are videographers now, too. Yes, that's true, too. So, uh, yeah, just so many changes. We don't have the finances, you know, compared to, although, I mean, as many people know, newspapers have gone down in, they're trying to promote digital first, a lot of them. A lot of them, I'd say five years ago, said, well, our, our ultimate goal was 100% digital. Uh-huh. And I'm seeing more and more of them kind of pulling back a little bit from that position. Well, there's a lot of also cooperative organizations kind of forming where it's some nonprofit mm-hmm. funds or right. a grant from a foundation to keep a Especially you know. local journalism. Yes, yeah. there's a lot of local journalism doing that way. So ours is kind of unique. We're a membership magazine. I don't really see us at this point doing more than six issues a year because about one-third of our budget is um, from advertising. Now, when you so, had uh, when it was print, I mean, just print, uh, uh, the, but newspaper format. Yes. Uh, wh- because this magazine clearly is print, um, what went out to every... Uh, who was on the mailing list then? Um, it was similar. We maybe had 10,000 more mm-hmm. people. Um, but the mailing costs have got pretty... I mean, every time we mailed this out, depending on our percentage of advertising, it's about at least $12,000. To do, mail does, out. does the Postal Service have different rates for yeah. di- different we're, publications? And I forget. We're a second-class uh-huh. membership magazine. Yeah, so there's different rates depending on what. It has to be sorted by zip codes. And, um, yeah, in fact, our, the November-December issue um, on page, one of these pages we have on page uh, 31, there's our statement of ownership mm-hmm. that we have to file once a year. So on this, it would tell you um, how many are mailed outside the county, how many are paid or with donations, how many office copies I get, what's our average run, 98%, of the people pay for it either by donation. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all donations. Sure. Yeah. So uh, that's something, and the post office has very, I mean, I don't figure that all out. That's all figured out at our printer. Is it is it printed locally or in Michigan? Uh, no, we're uh, printing right now in Missouri. 
actually Liberty, Missouri. Faith is it Catholic. all of Faith Catholic is printed uh, in Missouri? There are so many magazines, they kind of negotiate to what they can get on the best price. Uh-huh. So I believe that plant prints about 20 or 30. And so... Yeah, there's strength um, in numbers, so that's yeah. for sure. So um, that's why, because we would have, if you had all the Faith Catholic magazines together, we'd have somewhere between one and two million uh-huh. circulation, all the diocesan religious wow. ornaments. So that's going in with the pretty. But I know the particular plant we are at, not everybody prints out of that plant. Yeah. You know, they probably have to negotiate prices and, and everything. Do, do they... Um do they end up in dentist offices, doctor's offices, uh, places uh, where really people are waiting room? Not really, unless individual places in there. Somebody that gets it and, and brings it in. Uh, yeah. It would I be... remember we've had, we've had sightings <laughs> of it, um, like in a dentist. I think someone told me they saw it in a dentist's office. One I know was somewhere north of Sacramento. It was like in an auto repair shop waiting room. Obviously, yeah. the owners weren't Catholic, so they put it out there. Of course, now we don't hardly have any magazines out because of COVID. Right. Yeah, although I noticed some salons and dentists, stuff like that, are putting them back yeah. out there. Um, but uh, way many, many years ago, I think we used to deliver our Spanish language paper to some um, businesses and that. But that was a long, long time ago. As you can't expect them to, then they feel like they might offend somebody, you know. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's the reality. Yeah, businesses yeah. are if hesitant they, to. If they own yeah. a subway and they put it in there, and someone might say, How come you don't have the, sure. you know, the observer in there right. from Sacramento? How come you don't? Yeah. Now, our Safeway that's close to us, I notice, has the observer there, um, which is long time. Mm hmm. Black owned right uh, newspaper in Sacramento, which has received many many awards. It sure has. Yeah. yeah, it's a very good newspaper. Yeah, I noticed they have that for sale. I think maybe for like a dollar, dollar fifty. I think maybe they come out weekly or every other week. And then the bee, of course, if you buy the bee or the Chronicle, they're greatly reduced from years ago. Oh, absolutely. Remember the Chronicle used to have all the different the green section, the pink. Section yeah, the, the sporting green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, newspapers. Uh, so uh, I think um, while the internet and social media and, and stuff that brought a lot of there are a lot of positives about it, as I share stories on Facebook and people read our digital mm-hmm. edition, and but on the flip side, I think that you'd have to consider most people forty and under are not reading a daily newspaper. They're getting their news from many, many sources. Yeah. Some truthful, some not. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, it, you know, I, and I don't think we have as many journalism classes in high school and things like that, or it would be a broader communications, you know, like you're yeah. learning video, you're learning. So if someone was being trained you know, if I was advising someone today in high school or college who wanted to go into journalism, I would definitely say to them, be trained in as many things oh, as you can. That's not the way I came 
through. I wasn't doing videos and all that. You specialized more. I you tell know. when I sometimes, you know, you get invited to a high school career day or something like that to explain your profession and what you're doing. And, and I've, I've told people, you know, when you go to college, if, if you want to be a journalist or a, a radio announcer or whatever it is, major in something you're interested in. Yeah, specialize. And, uh, but go work for the student newspaper or the student radio station. Yeah. or Now some of them have student TV stations. Because you, you go to an employer and you say, well, I've got all this experience writing, but I'm a biology major. I can cover a medical beat sure. for you. Yeah. Yeah. It, you would be really uh, wise to say I'm going to be a science right. writer or a science reporter or right. a medical. Right. Or for me, I have a background in theology. And the, the one, so the, that's yeah. the and that, that, that's what you're doing. Yeah. And, and Although yet, I write on many other, you know, I have to self-educate. I, I'm writing something on immigration. I have to yeah. come up to speed. And yet we used uh, to see virtually every major newspaper in America, and even some of the sub-majors, had a, had a, a religious beat. And, and uh, very, very did. few. I don't even know if any newspapers have a religion reporter anymore. I noticed Like that, a full-time religion reporter. Yeah, I yeah. noticed actually the story... This week in the New York Times, covering the U.S. bishops meeting in Baltimore, right. their mm-hmm. assembly. Right. I noticed it was not a new. It was someone based in Dallas. I think that maybe they sent to Baltimore, hmm. who has a background in religion. Well, of course, the New York Times had out sports, didn't they? Well, they well, they still have sports. sports. No, they still have sports, but they handed it over to an organization, a publication known as the Athletic. Okay, and so they don't have their own sports writers. They don't have their own sports writers. They've they've okay. reached some sort of an accommodation with the Athletic, which which was a an online only publication that a few years ago started up and and really cannibalized some of the greatest oh, sports writers, writers from around. Okay. I, I know many of them uh, yeah. from around the country, and and and. Put out a really great product by subscription only. I don't know. I don't know their finances if they're if it's been successful or not. But mm-hmm. now they've partnered. I guess is the word with the, with the New York Times. So it's not technically the Times, but it will still appear in the New yeah. York Times. It's always good to me. Uh, and then someone I noticed someone made an inquiry of some information from the diocese that I was included on, and that person was the breaking news person mm-hmm. for in the New York Times. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I looked on what that person had written, and that person had written, it was just like every story was like 500 words or less, breaking news on a whole variety of things. Right. So, right. again, there is a need for a generalized person, but it, it's always in the specialized I mean, if you'll you see, want to get hired. You will see still in the major publications commentary by someone on religious issues. Sure. Um, but that's not all that person writes about. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know that we have all that. I mean, I think I think that rad, I think that undergrad and grad schools in journalism or communications are still going. In fact, myself, I was at. Marquette University, as I was in the Midwest for about two weeks this summer, and um, I friends dropped me off as I wanted to go back and see the J School at Marquette, mm-hmm. and my 
my old apartment, <laughs> which is still there. And, uh, you know, walk around campus for three or right. four hours. And so I walked into the journalism building, which is the same building. And there happened to be a um, uh, one person there from the, the department staff there. And she said, oh, let me show you around everything new. I didn't recognize one thing. Yeah, yeah, it was just so they had a really nice TV station, all kinds of computer labs, really. Yeah, so, and that's, well, so I graduated in 84, so we're coming up on 40 years. Yeah, I was there from 82 to 84. So, and I remember we, I, I mean, I typed on a, you know, Smith Corona, Electric. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I started. I started on the manual. My thesis, but yeah, we didn't even have computers there, so it's amazing how far things have advanced. But yeah, the J school, uh, much more broadly, um, who was on the faculty, and um, just the what the equipment they have and everything. But they still have a journalism school there, undergrad and graduate. So a lot of places do, but it's just they've had to adapt. Yeah, and a lot exactly. more. A lot more is digital. Yeah, it doesn't. Now. It uh, you you can write some great stuff, but if nobody's reading it, it kind of. Well, and I would say very few people age forty and under, and I shouldn't even do it by age too, as there's so many, you know, people in their seventies, eighties, and nineties who are tech savvy. Oh yeah. So a lot of them aren't really re they're reading print. They're reading online. They're right. not necessarily reading print. So it's just some. I do think it's interesting. I'm. Uh, this will be a story coming up in the January February issue, talking to some students from St. Francis, um, all girls high school, and a lot of them mentioned there. You know, they have had kind of a strange four years for their high school experience as they started out online. Started out with COVID. Even as a freshman, they didn't really get to go and meet people on campus. And then it, then they came back in sort of a hybrid form where if you certain cohorts were on campus, right. at what, you know, two days a week, the others two days a week, some was still online because of health conditions. Some people decided just to stay online Longer, longer yeah. and it was interesting their comments about when they came back they felt their attention spans were really uh, diminished mm -hmm. to sit in a class for an hour because you know when you're online you can kind of drift away right and also online for many people is not the way that they uh, the best way for them to learn and no socialization so they really had some interesting well, comments. Just about everybody. I mean, I know it became a political football, but just about everybody has concluded that the very best education is in person. Yes. You know, yeah. and, and our Catholic schools were in, in the Diocese of Sacramento were yeah, very we fortunate. They, they shut down at all. Yeah, they were, they were kind of the, the world leader in how to yeah. get people back into the classroom and still follow all the rules, which they yeah. did, you know. Yeah. And but they 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 really put their uh, their their heads to how are yeah. we how are we going to accomplish this and and stay within all the and, and you're well, dealing with all, all these different of, counties. I can't imagine 
thinking back on my four years as an undergraduate at Santa Clara and never have stepped on campus and done everything <laughs> online. <laughs> Yeah. I wouldn't have had you can't you can't have although, a college experience. Although that now way. we have online universities. Oh yeah, uh, you know. Yeah, Arizona State a, is one of the place leaders for in them that. Too. Yeah. yeah, you know, if I'm married and working and I want to pick up a master's degree, probably the only time I can do it is at night, right, or on weekends. But right. for your four-year college experience, that's well, it's a different, and that's why we saw many people drop out during those two years yep. and work or whatever because they didn't want to do it online and pay for it online. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, so, maybe we should talk about the November, so December the no- issue. So the November, December issue. <laughs> um, but I, just so a qu- a quick I would say the state of media is just constantly changing. It is. We find with magazines the, um, that the surveys done, reader surveys, people do tend to stay with the magazine longer. And if you're a membership publication, so that's where we fall under. Well, I know with my Herald, it doesn't all get read at once. I maybe, I maybe will flip through all pages yeah. at once and, and you know, make a mental note. I want to go back and read that when I have more sure. time. And, and as a result, especially if you leave it, visible everybody in the family is going to read at least one story sure and yeah and that's why you know i mean they used to call them coffee table books or coffee table magazines but there's a there's a lot of value in that i think uh just having a print story stories around and the thing i like about about the catholic herald is it seems like it's virtually all local i mean uh, i mean within the diocese it's um, well, I'd say more like eighty percent. Yeah, that's local. Sure. We do run some columns from Faith Catholic and yeah, special it, yeah, reports the, the, that the, the, they columns provide are, for us. Columns which are, is great. you know, c- columns can kind of be universal. Yes. you know, the universal topics. And of course, you call them from uh, Bishop Soto every every right. uh, edition as well. Right. So, and we try and as we have space, do some um, columns on spirituality. We often include the question-answer column from Father Joe, and right. who's from the Diocese of Labzine, and he kind of works, um, writes in an update, right. very down-to-earth level. Um, I've recently been in, um, including when I have space, a comment on concerns to teens, mm-hmm. which is really a column that parents can read, too. Right. Uh, so... Anyway, in this issue, we focused on lay ministry, and so our cover story uh, is on the lay mission project in our diocese, which has been going for several years, and uh, and it involves lay people who uh, make a great deal of commitment and time to inform and educate themselves on a whole wide range of topics, theology, but, but, spirituality, but social they, justice. Then they spread it, though. It's just, it's time well served. Oh, yeah. And then they, most of them then, uh, uh, you know, a great number of them are retired people or going into retirement. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but um, so we prof- we spoke with three of the recent graduates. I think there's like 400 some graduates now wow. in this program. I mean, it's not... 
I think the inner certificate, it's run through the Dominican School mm-hmm. of Theology in Berkeley, mm-hmm. or cooperating with them. So, But we have our own curriculum and everything, and then they meet in cohorts also, so in regions. So you might have, you know, so many people involved from the Reading Red Bluff area, mm-hmm. and they do some online. Then they meet in their groups. They have discussion. Um they have other assignments right. to do. At the end, they kind of come up with a project uh, on how they're going to take what they've learned and implement it in their own parish or right. parishes. So um, anyway, the three people we featured were Dr. Stephen Bratz from Janesville. So he's a member of Sacred Heart Parish in Susanville. Janesville, of course, up in. And his wife was also in it. Lori, they were both then in at the same That's time. That's up in Lassen County. Yes. And um, sort of interesting, they um, moved there um, after, I believe he was a doctor in the military. He was a Navy doctor. doctor yeah. yeah. And he's also very, very involved in uh, pro-life issues. Mm-hmm. I believe he serves on the national level of a pro-life organization that involves... Um, other doctors, especially OBGYNs. He's board chairman of the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, I believe he kind of started a little practice, too, in Susanville. Yes. In retirement. Yeah. Yeah, well, he retired from the Navy, but he, he we interviewed him, and he's, he made it very clear he's not retired. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 That he definitely oh, like, has a, a we, like just sitting on the couch because, or something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> because you can retire from the Navy and still be at a very young age. Oh, sure, sure. If he put like twenty years in the Navy yeah. or something, yeah. he might only be forty-five, right. you know, or something. I think he's he's they've been. Um, let's see. I think they uh, moved uh, there in the late two thousands or something. Because here in the story, it says that they settled into their new so community in 2015. So it'd be... And I believe um, they were not Catholic. Yeah. They're they they were seven years settled in their new community in 2015. Yeah. So that means they moved there in 2008. So they've yeah, been there 15 been, years. Yeah. And, um, of course, with the Navy, they probably lived all over the place. And so his lay mission uh, project, um, he very much collaborated with the pastor at the time, Father Arnold, and um, to do a lot of um, lineup speakers and different things to educate people on a range of topics. He and his wife, I believe, also teach confirmation preparation, and they also offer youth-focused instruction on uh, John Paul II's theology of the body. Mm-hmm. He teams up with his wife, Lori, to do youth nights every Wednesday with a lesson followed by snacks, games, and activities. He says, I don't want our young people to be stolen from us. We don't want them to fall away from the faith. Um, and he credits his wife, Lori, for, for he said he really got started to uh, support her. and then she, Yeah, and then he decided yeah. to be part of it, yes. So, um, so that's great. Um, and, um, 
the uh, we have two other people that we interviewed who are also graduates lay mission project we have marcella mora from saint john the baptist in Folsom, and she and her uh husband carlos um they're both um i think they're both engineers yes and so St. John the Baptist is their parish. Even before this, they were active leaders in the parish's Hispanic apostolate, and Carlos directed the choir in Spanish. So Marcella heard about the Lay Mission Project in 2019 when she was on a retreat, but she says she had concerns about it being three years um in duration and also her uh, English language skills. And she also had two pregnancies and, and she, was working full time. She's from Colombia and her husband uh, was originally from Mexico. Yeah. With all that, she probably slept two hours a night. <laughs> I, was I don't know. Say. <laughs> um, so um, she also did a lot with her family members in Colombia and Mexico, uh, if they would join her during this process to pray with her on Sundays. I, I thought that and was... she did a whole Zoom, I think, thing with people from all over. That was the best part of that story. Was, yeah, very was interesting. That, I that assume she, this was during the lockdown. And I assume yeah. the, 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 the ones in Mexico were probably her, her husband's family, right. and, and in Colombia is her family. Right. And to include them in all this learning and faith that right. they were going through, I was just, and to use the technology, as you say, yeah. uh, I think it was so just fabulous. So she said she prepared topics for discussion and reflection on the commandments, the Lord's Prayer, reconciliation, Bible commentaries, and then prayers and uh, petitions followed. Yeah. You have a quote from her. We have reached many Hispanic people from around the world. I have mm -hmm. felt God's inspiration. It's pretty pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, she sent some of her relatives decided also to meet this way daily to prayer, to pray. So, um, so I think uh, she's going to continue. Let's see. Um she also was involved in intercessory prayer. She says, people approach me and ask me to pray for them or situations. Um, and then she's also formed a group of friends who gather to offer intercessor, intercessory prayers in response to prayer requests and petitions she receives on her website. I believe she started her own website during that time, too. Oh, yeah. She no, she has seventeen hundred YouTube subscribers, thirteen thousand website visitors, and more than fifty three hours logged on video watch time. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So that's Marcella. Use the Very available resources. Very different people, all you know, who come together on this project, and then we have Doctor Michael Durant who he and his wife, uh, Monica, are, um, he recently retired after 32 years as a pediatric gastroenterologist with Kaiser Permanente in Roseville. Mm -hmm. 
and he and his wife, I think they're a lot, they do things at both parishes in Auburn, St. Joseph and um, St. Teresa of Avila. Um, his wife is also a physician, and she says that he had a deep yearning um, from his youth to be involved in educating himself more as a Catholic. And um, uh, he didn't think that God maybe was calling him to the permanent diaconate also. Um, but he decided to, um, first he did uh, obtain online his certification through the University of Notre Dame. They have a lot of online things. Um, oh, actually, he found out about this through Catholic Herald magazine. <laughs> there you go. One of his quotes is, I opened up Catholic Herald Magazine, and there's an ad for the Lay Mission Project. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for a sign, this is it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no lightning bolt or anything. So, uh, yeah, so then that's how he became involved in the second cohort of students. So um, he's also now enrolled in Divine Mercy University in Sterling, Virginia, for its two-year spiritual direction certificate, which he will complete next year. And he's working on building a framework for a program designed to expose confirmation students to spiritual direction and working with the Parent Advisory Committee. Yeah, and he's also working with the Religious Education Director, I believe, at St. Teresa. So, very interesting. Well, and, and you know, he, he thought maybe he was going to become a deacon, you know, and, and which is very, very great work and, and very um, necessary uh, work. And yet he felt like God was pulling him in a different way yeah. to, to the Lay Mission Project. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, and then we also have an interview with Laura Lynn uh, Solano, who is our staff person at the diocese in faith formation, who um, what a great person she is. coordinates <laughs> yeah. all of this. Yeah. And um, so if you want to find out about it and you think you want to be involved, I think they're still taking people for the third cohort. They probably can still fit people in because I believe they were starting that um, uh, this fall, the fall that we're in now. So, anyway, then um, we have Father Joe's column, which addressed the question of there was no funeral mass for my dear friend and why. thought that was appropriate for yeah, yeah. November, month of all saints, all souls. Yeah. And, um, you know, there is a lot of confusion out there are Catholic cemeteries and funeral services really outreach to people. So they do. in yep. their time of loss of someone, they um, maybe if they aren't up to speed on, you know, what to do for a funeral right. mass or right. vigil or anything. So um, anyway, that that's a, that's why I included that. Um, but it, it's a reminder to people that. Um, you know, it really is helpful. I know it's a sensitive subject with a lot of people. Um, 
and I can't say that I have my burial arrangements, so I probably have no room to talk. Well, it's, but good, it's, it's good. It's good to have, have a, things uh, planned, so you give some guidance to your family in case something would happen. Yeah. and it's good to have a column like that to just explain everything yes. to people. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, we have that. Also, I included a um, column on um, that I just saw on my own, but. Uh, it's about from Sister Constance Viet, or Viet, I don't know how she pronounced her last name, V-E-I-T. Mm. How would you pronounce that? Viet. Viet. I'm I could be wrong, so though. We'll do it, Viet. I'm okay, so um, she's director of communications for Little Sisters of the Poor, and she not only talks about the upcoming World Day of the Sick in February that we celebrate, but it's kind of a practical column of um she during COVID she be uh came increasingly concerned about staff in nursing and assistant living homes and uh, centers around the country and mm-hmm. said what are we doing for that staff what are we doing for caregivers because they're bearing a lot of the burden of this with elderly folks and so it offers some helpful um tips and stuff that you know maybe you just spend a half hour with someone that would be somebody's highlight of the week oh you know and actually we know that it for a lot of people it would be i remember talking to somebody that was doing meals on wheels you know delivering lunches and and he said that the what so many of the people he delivered to just really wanted them to come in and sit down yeah. and just talk to me for five minutes. Uh, yeah. that, that this might be their only human contact in the right. whole day. Right. You know, and right. that's that's something that I think I think we forget a lot. You know, in terms of just take somebody to lunch, to yeah. uh, go have a cup of coffee with them. Just right. uh, that human contact is, is, and it really spans all generations. But more so with the elderly, especially sure. uh, the single elderly. Uh, maybe they've they've always been single, or they lost a spouse, or whatever. That that it's that contact's really really mm-hmm. uh, important. Yeah, and I I like her approach of let's show let's take the opportunity to show caregivers esteem, appreciation, and gratitude for all they do. So yeah. she's talking about both science and the coin here, not only the people who are receiving here, but let's not forget about the caregivers. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know how they do it sometimes. Caregiving is um, frequently, especially with people that are um, severely infirmed, can be, can be um, a very difficult job um, mm-hmm. because you're, you're you're replacing a lot of the function of the person you're doing it for them if you well and especially people so um suffering from dementia and things like that you know they can be saying stuff to you as the caregiver that's totally off the wall right and you can't take it personally right or didn't you know i mean you know not remember who you are from one day in the next which is pretty no my, my my mother who was a registered nurse or you know her entire life um, brought her mother out to live with us from North Dakota, who was who had severe dementia. Yeah, and it was as loving and caring as my mom was. 
it was very frustrating to oh, her yeah. that her own mom didn't know her name. Oh, sure. You know, and yeah. she'd serve her dinner and then go off into the kitchen and come back in. And, and you know, and that's ultimately that's, you know, it's like you're not you're not getting back, you know, you're giving the whole time, right. you know, right. and, and you, you and it's not that you need a reward, you need a pat, no. but but it's 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 very caregiving yeah. can be very hard. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, she notes in this um, column that Seal Nursing Home News reported that since the beginning of the pandemic, fourteen percent of the sealed nursing workforce or two hundred and twenty thousand caregivers in the U.S. have exited mm. the profession. Yeah. Well, and it's a profession that doesn't pay very well no, either. No, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Unless and, you're an administrator, and then you're not really caregiving. You're dealing with yeah, it's, administration. It's, it, it's interesting to me that in the lower levels, uh, or, I mean, the early levels, like preschool, not, not, at, not at the schools, but yeah. just these daycare centers, uh, their workers are frequently very low paid. And on the other end, People working with seniors yeah. are very low paid, yeah. and you're going, why, why, why is that? Why are we not respecting yeah. these two age groups? Right, right. So we have that in there, and then I did a story on uh, uh, just looking at Catholic, couple of our Catholic charities agencies, and just the amazing volunteers we have here. Um, my idea was to kind of think about retired people and highlight a few of those, but I found out they don't like to be called retired, so I just called them volunteers. <laughs> Why is it that all of these volunteers are so happy? They uh, really I are. Know, they they yeah, really are. Pretty, yeah. So I talked to Marge Remedios. She's been a longtime volunteer and board member at Northern Valley Catholic Social Service. She's a member of Our Lady of Mercy Parish in Reading. Mm -hmm. And gosh, I think she's been volunteering with them almost since the beginning. Um, she's um, mother of four adult children, grandmother to six. She also coordinates all the Eucharistic ministers' schedules at Our Lady of Mercy and um, brings... Um, communion to people who uh, can't get out. And um, gosh, she's been a volunteer with Northern Valley since and it was established in 1986. Been on wow. the board of directors since 1999. So she's seen almost everything She's been there, there since you've been in college yeah. almost. <laughs> That's amazing. Right, yeah. And um, so, and then she talks about how she got involved in uh, since the agency got involved so much in crisis outreach after the fires in Northern California, mm -hmm. wildfires, she's been helping to assist survivors in the six counties that Northern Valley serves. And uh, so she's just been also been involved on the finance committee. So she's been involved in a little bit of everything and helping to plan uh you know, they, um, I mean, over the 
years, they've opened up a family resource center in in Horning. They have Mm -hmm. different stuff in Butte and Tehama County. So she's seen the agency just grow. Um, Then she says, my joy as a volunteer is that I actually get more out of it than I actually give. I feel so rewarded when I've been able to help someone or help solve some problems. I've made some great friends, especially in retirement. I keep active and I keep my mind alive. My focus is on giving of my time, talent, and treasure. Sometimes I give one or two of those or a combination of all three. She also is an active member of the Rotary, which, which yeah, does, she's does a lot of uh, and she said civic she projects. She likes to try and involve, invite young people to volunteer especially at like one day events or something. So they get in the habit of giving their time. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's, that's really a key to volunteerism. People sometimes they want to volunteer for something and they go, Oh, there's a whole program here. I'm or not, I have I'm not, to commit to once a week. Or, that's right. Right. And, and there's a lot of things a, you can just do on a one day on right. a Saturday volunteer and that right. kind of get a taste of it. Exactly. Yeah. Then I talked with Alan Price. He's a re- member of St. Basil Parish in Vallejo mm-hmm. since 1995 and longtime member of the Finance Council there. He was also, when his kids were growing up, chair of the parish's Catholic School Advisory Commission for 11 years and a hub master for the Boy Scouts. And... Um, He's been, I think he's a retired, oh yeah, he had a 30-year career in financial services. So he has been serving on the board of directors of Catholic Charities of Yolo Solano mm-hmm. on the finance committee. He's also been very involved with the food bank. Um, and they have a lot also, Yolo Solano focuses on um, getting people signed up for food uh, vouchers or mm-hmm. services, um, Hal Fresh, Hal Fresh, kind of sure. The name of it. Yep. And um, also, they he helps the agency with their uh, planning on programs for housing counseling, and they also do citizenship and legal services. And he talked about the two different uh, groups who make up Solano County versus Yolo County, which has a lot of farm workers and and other people there. Um, He says, we reach out to agricultural workers and families in Yolo, as well as the vulnerable in the urban and suburban areas of Solano. Yeah, I like what John Watkins said. John is the executive director for, for Catholic Charities of Yolo Solano. He says, the primary work of Catholic Charities is not about how many units of service we provide, but rather it is about how we love and care for those we serve. In one sense, our programs and services are the vehicles for communicating God's love to those in need, and volunteers are essential for communicating that love. Really well mm-hmm. put. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you let somebody know they're loved and they have hope, and uh, that's, uh, yeah, maybe it doesn't feed you, but boy, that's a... Mm-hmm. That's food for the soul. Yeah. 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 And so on page 13 there, at the last page of that story, we, of course, have some connections for you there if you'd like to volunteer with Catholic Charities, uh, either in Sacramento, Yolo Solano, or um, Northern Valley 
hovers well the main office is in Reading so that's Shasta County but they're also in Butte, Glen, Siskiyou, Tehama and Trinity County so that's a huge agency Northern Valley. Yeah it um, covers covers a, <laughs> a lot of square miles. Yeah and then we have an article uh, Faith Hamlet has been working uh, kind of doing a uh, um, series on the corporal works of mercy and so I included one here about visiting the sick. What's that all about? And um, it has a lot of practical ideas for families, things you can do all year or um, things you can do simple as during Advent, have your children create handmade Christmas cards for the homebound in your community um, or to homebound parishioners. Um Support families with hospitalized relatives. A lot of our parishes have that going where if a family's having, um, you know, uh, relatives in the hospital, mm -hmm. they volunteer to bring uh, food to the family so they can spend more time at the hospital. Um, could your family be called to a regular commitment of visiting with someone in the need who needs companionship? And that happens all over. Right. You know, people are generous about helping out their neighbors and things like that. So that's kind of a practical article for people. So, and uh, Bishop Soto has a nice column with some reflections about the nativity. Can, I'm going to put that on the website too. I don't always put all the articles on the website from each magazine, but... I, I do try and put the main ones on the website throughout. So for like throughout the month of November and December to feature some of our articles. So we also have an article about volunteers, retired volunteers, mostly from the our uh, parish, St. Joseph Morello and Granite Bay, although some people are from Roseville and other places who have been helping out with the Oblates of St. Joseph, who um, started, um, well, they've always had vineyards up there, but they had reached out to some lay people to help um, start a winery up there where they have different events and stuff. And so a lot of retired people who had knowledge in this area helped them out with that. I really, and have I really like the, the opening paragraph of the uh, bishop's column, Bishop Soto's column. In the coming weeks, families will begin to assemble the Christmas nativity scene to be displayed in the home during the Advent and Christmas season. Someone will be dispatched to fetch the boxes of Christmas decorations and sort out the tangled array of lights, ornaments, and figures to be arranged. Many households have long-standing customs about how things should be positioned. Uh, it sounds like we grew up in the same family. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, there is. We have this little storage room closet, and it's uh -huh. got boxes of the— and they're all. It is. The lights are always tangled. And then there's an ornament, and there's an arm missing on a statuette <laughs> or, you know, and the manger scene. And, yeah— there, you know, I mean, you you get married, and you, oh, this is the way we did it. Oh, well, no, in my family we did it this way. Mm -hmm. You know, and you go, well, we've been doing it this way for twelve years or fifty years or whatever. Well, we did it this way for fifty years. You know, <laughs> it, it it is. It's especially with 
You know, and, and I found when our kids were little, with the manger scene was just a magnet. They, oh, uh-huh. because we had we we had the sheep and the camels and <laughs> and it was more than Joseph and Mary and Jesus. Oh yeah, so we had well, a, a you have a big one. And, you have all the animals yeah, and, and everything. Yeah, and by the by the end of the night, Jesus would be missing. It drives me crazy. I go, we can't lose baby Jesus, you know. But the next morning, there he'd be, yeah. you know, miraculous. He crawled back well, in we, his crib. We solved it one year at the old Hamlet Herald building on Newman Court. And anyone involved in this shall remain unnamed because I don't want to reveal <laughs> my staff. Um, there was one person, as I recall, who always had to organize everything. You know, and yeah, this person yeah. would say, come on, you help me out with this. So one year, <laughs> this person got tired of, well, the person assembled it, but when it came to, came, time to put it back in the boxes, we were not too helpful to yeah, this person. that's not as much fun. <laughs> and so what this person did was brought in a, like, a little twin sheet, you know, like a twin bed sheet, Came in one day and put the sheet over everything Just and carried the up. whole thing and put it up on the top shelf of our closet. <laughs> <laughs> Ready for the next year. Next year, yeah. Well, that's good. <laughs> I'm leaving all people unnamed. Yes. Well, ju- wisely. <laughs> it wasn't me. It was someone smarter than me who brought the sheet in. Well, Julie, this is a, a great a great herald. Uh, okay. I can't w- wait to dig into all of it. I've read most of it, but yeah. I, I can't wait to dig into the rest of it and. Uh, Highly recommend it. You can get it online as well. Uh, you, yep. you go to the scdd.org. Yep. Sacramento Catholic Diocese. Yes. Julie, thanks great. so much. And, thanks. Uh, greatly Happy appreciate Thanksgiving it. Thanksgiving to all. Same to you. Uh, yeah. I went in the store at lunchtime to pick up a few things, just regular groceries, and it was already hopping. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> That's going to do it for us for today. Okay. Thanks for listening. God bless everyone. We'll talk with you again soon.